For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Tony Dunn and not to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. What is the deal, Panther fans? Welcome back to the C3 Panthers podcast. It's another episode of the Beat Check. It's kind of our bonus episode of the week where we put our ear to the ground and check the beat of what's going on in Carol- with the Carolina Panthers. This is the fourth night in a row, I feel like, we've been streaming. We had the post game. Then we had the Monday crazy stream that went with the, the news of Matt Rule and then the Tepper tantrum that followed. Last night, we had the Tuesday night show, and tonight we've got a fantastic show for you. This week on the Beat Check, we've got Panther legend, running back, Jonathan Stewart here with us tonight, Cody Lashney. We're back in it again. My wheel man, you got to say, this is one of the fun shows you've been looking forward to. Oh, man, this is one of the biggest we've ever done, man. Jonathan Stewart, Jonathan, we appreciate having you, man. One of the things I do before we get going is we take a little bit of a roll call, man, because we do this with the very best Panther fans in all of YouTube. C3 fam, we got our man Drew, CJA, Dono Smith, Eric Rivera, JD864, Michael Davis, Lynn Leon Hart, Michael Johnson, Pad One Panther, Panther Pickle, Panthers are Kings, Underground West, and 10 Tizzy. Tony Dunn, we got a great show tonight. Ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. I'd like to welcome in Jonathan Stewart, man. Thanks for ha- thanks for coming on the show tonight. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's been a busy week for Panther News. So, look, is that usually on the beat check, we have like a bunch of shows we do from Madden simulations to post games. We're rocking and rolling on the C3 Panthers podcast. And usually it's just Cody and I pulling down the Wednesday show. But Greg and CK said, we got to be here for this. Greg, how you doing? Oh, muted. Sorry about that. I said, I'm doing fantastic, man. It's an honor to be here. You know, uh, 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 Tony was flashing some memorabilia beforehand. Of course, I've got to as well. So, uh, you know, Jonathan Stewart, man, it's fantastic to meet you. I'm, I'm interested to pick your brain a little bit on some Panthers news. Oh, for sure. For sure. CK, man. Hey, uh, listen, it's uh, pretty exciting to have uh, a legend like Jonathan Stewart joining us. Um, I was, I was going to be prepared. I was going to be professional. I was going to impress the shit out of him today. Um, I was going to watch Pat McAfee and recall all the shit that he was going to talk about there. Um, or the stuff I should say, say my apologies. There, Jay <laughs> um, and, uh, and, uh, that didn't work out too well. So, uh, we're just going to ask all the questions that, uh, that, uh, Pat maybe would have asked. Yeah. Oh, all right. On. There was some technical difficulty on the yeah. show. So we had to postpone that. 
It is totally, man. We've been streaming on these streets since 2013. And if the internet teaches you anything, you got to be ready or not be ready. Technical difficulties will come at you when you want, when you don't want them. Uh, I yeah. tell you that. So uh, let's go ahead and pop into this show. It's a big, big week for the Carolina Panthers and not necessarily, or maybe for some fans, it's been a good week. You know, it's kind of been a rough sledding five years for the Carolina Panthers, you know, going back to, it's 2019 uh, where things have, you know, just kind of we've been five wins, five wins, five wins. And then Matt Rule comes in and, uh, you know, there's kind of mixed feelings about what he was going to be able to offer. Uh, the first year seemed to be marginal. You know, I mean, it didn't seem terrible in the first year. and and But year two was just so disastrous that it was almost surprising that he earned a year three and just five games into the year. Um after that San Francisco game, David Tepper comes out and says, "Enough is enough." What do you think? Uh, what do you think about uh, the decision to move on from Matt Rule? Um, you know, it's you know I've been kind of saying this like uh, you know there's an expiration date for everything, right? Um, and you know, unfortunately, we had to experience this this way as you know a fan base. Um, given, you know, Matt Rule's tenure here. Um, and I think at the end of the day, everybody was pretty hopeful and, and remained hopeful as long as they could um, riding with their team. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's all about, you know, the recipe. Um, and, I, I, and I think at the end of the day, this recipe just wasn't panned out for the time, the players, um, I don't think necessarily that you can point at any individual and say this guy or this coach or whatever it is um, or players are the reason why we aren't successful. It's just not the it right just recipe. Wasn't. Yeah, it just you know? wasn't. And and I think if you even think about the word recipe, you know, um, you know, spaghetti sauce, right? Like if you overcook spaghetti sauce, it gets real bitter. Right. And you don't right. want you don't want bitter spaghetti. Um, so you take that analogy. You look at the Carolina Panthers. Um, that's the obvious. Um, so that's, you know, my thoughts on, you know, Matt Rule's time here is, you know, it, it was it, we, we tried it. Um, Tepper was patient and, you know, long enough. And he had to make the tough decision, you know, five games into the season, um, you know, despite whatever, you know, backlash he might have received or anything like that, he had to make the decision and call for the organization. Jonathan, so the man who's in charge now is a guy that you know very well, and I know you have a lot of respect for, and that's Steve Wilkes. And, you know, as soon as you hear his introductory press conference, fans are excited because Steve Wilkes was there during some of the most successful years of Carolina Panther football. My question to you very simply is, do you think that even though the Panthers are one and four, that Steve Wilkes actually has what it takes to be able to turn his team around and actually move things in the right direction? And and if he can, what does that look like? What are some of those changes that you think he can implement to get this back on track? Um, I think Steve Wilkes, Wilkes is capable of anything. Um, for starters, I'll just give you just a little like backstory of – who Steve Wilkes is, in my opinion, in my eyes, in my perspective. Um, him being on the defensive side of the ball during my time playing with the Carolina Panthers, um, as we went 
on you know our winning sprees and and, and um, going to the Super Bowl, winning the championships, and all those types of things. Um, there was times where Coach Rivera had to step out um, for the day, whether it was because of his house that caught on fire yeah. or some personal reason. Um, Steve Wilkes took the position of leading meetings, um, acting as head coach in those in those times. Um, I remember pregame speeches, you know, every week there's a different coach or sometimes a player that gets up Saturday night, to give a speech. Um, but I remember every time Steve Wilkes spoke, every time his mouth opened, it was with reason, like it was with direct reason. And after he was done speaking, especially mo- like, you know, pregame speeches and um, te- right. leading team meetings. I would leave those meetings feeling like I want to run through a brick wall. And so at the end of the day, you know, a leader, a a coach has to be a leader of men. Um, And that's what Steve Wilkes is. He's a leader of men. Um, He's a guy that's coached under coach Rivera. Coach Rivera was a leader of men. He cared and he, you felt the care um, from those coaches, coaches like them, that care about the integrity of what it means to be a man. Um, if you have a family, take care of your family. Um, if you have a job, show up early, make it, make it count. Um, the simple things. And, and it's, it's not no, you know, algebra or any yeah. math equation. It's, it's le- the legit simple things that matter uh, when it comes to team organized sports, especially at the professional level. Um, not wasting people's time. And, you know, those are the things that, you know, I see in uh, Coach Wilkes. I mean, the, I can give you a whole list of the reason why um, I think this is a great fit and a great opportunity for the Carolina Panthers. Um, and it makes sense to to see the, the fans, you know, on social media and, 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 you know, in the news. And I mean, I even seen like Panther flags today. I don't know if I was like, just kind of, you know, <laughs> not looking for it, but today right, I saw yeah. them. <laughs> I tell you, but, but I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are excited about, you know, the opportunity here because coach Wilkes was on that seven, eight and one team where nobody counted us in. Um, and even at times we didn't count ourselves in because I mean, we played real crappy throughout the beginning of the year. Um, But at some point you have to weather the storm and that's what great teams are about. Great teams know how to weather the storm, get out of the mud and make things happen. And that's usually, that's, that's what happened. And that's what coach Wilkes is about because he was on that team. I tell you, you're a man. First, we, we all see that from the outside. To, so to get that perspective from the inside is tremendous because, look, as we, when we went and hired, uh, we brought Wilkes back uh, this past year. We went, I went back and watched his mic'd up uh, clip from 2015, and you're like, man, this dude just commands the room in such a positive way. Uh, just two days ago when the news came out that we were firing Matt Rule, is, we kind of were like at this point, it's like, man, it's like we're in the fr- – running for a number one draft pick, you know, you're thinking like kind of doomsday. And then Steve Wilkes takes the dang podium and you're like, holy cow, this is what we've been missing in so many ways. So you can really feel that. And I wonder, I was going to ask you, since you brought up that seven, eight and one team is 
you know, uh, Ron Rivera, his team's played so tough deep in the season. You know, is that that's what kept him. You know, there was times in 2012 where people were upset with Ron Rivera as a coach or the performance of the team in a way. And then the next year you go 12 and four in 2013, the 7-8 and one season. Deep in the season, do you think that that, I mean, is that kind of speak to that testament of what you're talking about, that kind of leadership that can command that kind of the captain who through rough seas can kind of keep people together? Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, it's how do you lead through the good times? How do you lead through the bad times? How do you keep your players level? How do you keep these guys out of the media? How do you keep them focused, right? Because you can start off, you see a lot of teams, not really so much this year, a lot of everyone's kind of sitting at two and two, two and three, three and two. But you you see the teams in the past that have these great starts, right? Atlanta Falcons, you know, I'm not really sure what year that was, but they had a, a tremendous start. But then how do you manage that? How do you keep a level team and keep them focused on the end goal so that way they don't peak too early? And so I I'm, I honestly feel like where we are now is the opportunity for us to legitimately stack like just look at the Rams week, go into this week of preparation under new leadership and just have a fresh, fresh slate. I mean, the players in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a fresher breath air almost. Like if people are counting us out, sure. That's where I want to be. I want them to count me out because at the end of the day, I think that's how we played. We played with the chip on our shoulder. No one gave us a chance or, you know, chance to win any games. I mean, we were, you know, at one point the season we were 13-0 and 0 or something like that, and everyone was expecting us to continue to lose. <laughs> so um, when you're the underdog, those are the times that you reach down deep in your, to your, into your heart and, and, and you look at the guy next to you and you say, hey, I'm here for you. I believe in you. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make you a winner or make and do whatever it takes to make your family a winner. You know, it, it's not just about the guys in that locker room. It's about the families that they feed at the end of the day. And so once you get on that level, then it means something. It means something to lose. It means something to win. Um, and, and it's gotta be bigger than, you know, showing up and just kind of, you know, checking in and checking off a box. And so I think those are the things that they're going to start realizing through the leadership of Coach Wilkes, if they haven't already. Um, You know, and I think, you know, looking at the situation with Matt Rule, there's a lot of things that, you know, you can take away as positives. I mean, through all the stuff that they've been weathering for the last three years, the, the core guys there, you know, they didn't weather. They didn't turn on each other. They didn't turn on the coach. They didn't turn on anyone. So, I mean, there's something to be said about that. Um, these guys staying connected, these guys staying whole, especially during the tough season of 2020 and coming out of the pandemic. Th- those are those are hard moments that I wouldn't I wouldn't even begin to tell you where to start <laughs> on how to go through all that. Um, you know, playing football and and trying to be connected with your teammates during a time when they're telling you you can't be connected. Um, so there's a lot that this team's gone through, and I think right now. Coach Wilkes is the perfect person um, 
to really lead them uh, to a, to a new chapter in life um, as an organization. And, um, you know, I really hope that he gets an opportunity to really shine and, and make a statement for the head coaching job. You use the word uh, a breath of fresh air, and I used this too after I heard uh, Wilkes's press conference yesterday. It just felt something, you know, like that kind of that, that breath of fresh air. In some ways, kind of some wind in the sails potentially. What do you think the weight that was that was kind of the anchor that was weighing this team down for the last year and a half has been? Um, I think really the questions of the unknowns, living in the unknown, right? Not really sure why things aren't happening the way they're supposed to happen. You go through practice, you go through this recipe, you go through the formulas, for, you know, how you practice and how you train and how you eat, um, how you watch film and, and how you're coaching and how you're being coached. All these things that come together and they're supposed to come together and give you a winning formula when those things just consistently like not work, it's, it's a, that's an anchor in itself because you know, as a player, you're doing all that you can, you know, as a coach, you're doing all that you can. And like I said, in the very beginning, you know, it's not that tomatoes don't taste good. It's not that, you know, the herbs and (laughs) the tomato sauce don't taste good. It's just that some some recipes, if you're not if they're not done the right way, or if they don't if you add something to it that doesn't belong, you have a bad recipe. Just I'm Italian, so if yeah. you burn the garlic, the gravy yeah, we call garlic. it the yeah, the New Yorkers they we call it uh, the gravy. So like uh, <laughs> if you burn the garlic, the gravy the Sunday gravy's ruined. I'm passing yeah. the mic. Thank you for answering that question. Good answer. Yeah, I love that answer, and I, I think it. Um, I, I think it points to something that it's almost easier to have mistakes to point to, um, or like you said, there's an unknown aspect of it. You're, if you're showing up and doing the things that are the the right way, I think that can almost poison your mind more because you start to blame things that are out of your control, um, right. and I I think that makes it uh, a, a a little bit harder to turn that mentality around. But talk about mentality, you've been there for some of our best moments and some of our worst right uh and i want to talk about that 2010 season and and i think we can talk about um this nfl is much different than it was 13 years ago uh you know with the way social media is such a driver with uh opinions from fans like it's very easy for the fan base to turn on 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 a dime uh just based on one tweet right um, and uh, and we've seen that happen uh, all too often uh, in, in today's world. But in 2010, obviously, wasn't a great year. It led to the number one draft pick with Cam Newton uh, in 2011, right? Um, my question is kind of tailored because of a, a statement that Steve Smith said on Cut to It, where he said if he was playing in this on this team right now, he'd be asking for a trade. So in 2010, when you're transitioning from that year to 2011, do you find that the fall of a of an empire of an era uh, made it more difficult for you to want to stay with the Panthers, or did that actually empower you to want to stick around and build this up the right way? I mean, it depends on who, you know where a guy is in his career, right? You know, for me, uh, 2010 that was my third season. Um, I think it was my third season. 
What was my second season? <laughs> I don't know. Third season, second season. I think it was the third because 08 yeah. is when you were Smash Brothers. Then yeah, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was so. Third. So yeah, I mean, it depends on where you are in your career. I was a young guy, so I knew essentially this is I'm young in my career. This is an opportunity for me to to find some grit, um, and grow with my team. And then you know you got a guy like Steve where he's a future hall of famer and you're wasting his time. So like, if you're going to waste his time, please let him know. So he can go like win. So respectfully. So, you know what I'm saying? It depends on where a guy is in his career, um, you know, determines all that. And so I think, you know, for me, I'm in year three, you know, I, I remember the Cleveland Brown game where we lost by a field goal. I ran really, really hard that game and came back a loser. And that didn't feel good. That whole season did not feel good. But ultimately, the guys that were on that team, there's a lot of guys that were on that team that were on that Super Bowl team. And those are the makings of guys that know what it takes to win football games, knows what it takes um, you know, to, to stay in it mentally. Uh, through the hard times because when you do stay in it mentally um, it pays off at the end of the road so Jonathan that kind of brings me to you know another point of of discussion around Panther Nation and it's around other running back it's Christian McCaffrey and he has been such a workhorse for the team ever since he's been here and, you know, especially that season with a 1,000 rushing yards, a 1,000 receiving yards, and he has been the focal point of our offense no matter who the quarterback has been. Um, but in recent years, he started to contact a lot of injuries. And, you know, once Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, the offense kind of falls off a cliff. So there ends up being this discussion about Christian McCaffrey and his workload. You know, he was playing 90% of of snaps one year he was just always on the field how do you manage a superstar talent like christian mccaffrey at such a rough position like running back but also manage his health and his workload and making sure that you know you have him for football in november and december and hopefully even into january and february i mean that's a good question i mean that's obviously been talked about so many times um you know, especially early on, I think his second, third year, you know, he definitely touched the ball a lot and everybody kind of panicked like, oh, wait, we can't, you know, we can't crash, you know, crash our Porsche. But why have a Porsche, you know, if you're going to let it sit in the garage? Yeah, right? let that boy run. <laughs> and so I know for him, like, like just from playing with this guy, you know, his mentality is give me the ball. I don't care. Give me the yep. ball. If you're gonna, if I'm gonna be out of the game, you're gonna take me out because I want to play. I want to make plays. That's why I'm here. I'm a Porsche. I'm supposed to be driven fast. So drive me, please. And so my answer to that is, you know, how do you keep a guy healthy? Um, it's the nature of the game. You know, if you have a guy that can actually take the load, which he's proven he's can take him the load. We've seen it. He's broken records by taking the load. So do what he knows how to do best. 
give him the load and let him take it. And especially now, you know, you have a quarterback situation um, with Baker being hurt and you got PJ Walker. Let PJ Walker know that CMC is totally and completely available. And so, because I think at the end of the day, we we don't we haven't really truly seen PJ Walker. We've seen him 2020, 2021, here and there. I think his first start was 2020 or something like that with the Detroit Lions against the Detroit Lions. Um, and just from what I remember from that game, um, my guy was slinging it. And so, give him some good plays where it's a quick, you know quick drop back and getting the ball out of his hands real quick, get him some boots. Um, and if anything's not there, check it down to the C-Mac and, and make that your bread and butter and obviously run the ball. Um, but the whole thing of, you know, counting CMC's reps, I'm tired of hearing that. This guy's a dog and he deserves to be, you know, treated like the best in the business, which is, let him be the best man i'm so i've been saying this man haven't i been saying this cody on this yeah, podcast man? it's yeah, like yeah. and i and, and just to follow up on that is one of the things is i think that the injury narrative has been overblown on christian mccaffrey number one i think that there's been soft tissue injuries non-contact yeah, issues these things are freak accidents they're not because of like oh he's just being run into the ground right no like this guy's a machine so, like, just in every machine, if you have a freak accident, that's what they're. That's what it's called. <laughs> it's a freak do you, accident. Do you well, believe I'll, there's any chance that? Uh, and I think there's been speculation. I know Greg's got a question here after this, but um, is there any spec? Is there any truth to the speculation amongst fans that you believe that Christian McCaffrey could have played more games these past two years than he was allowed, but these seasons were lost? Right. You know, he could have. I, I, I can't I can't really speak on speculation because that's all certainly. it is. Right. So I think if it's speculative, you're wasting your time. Right. <laughs> right. So, well, my, my, my point for that is yeah. is stating that I don't think that it made sense for the organization to put him into the game uh, when it was a lost season in the last five games of each of those seasons. Right. So I think even the aspect of him being injury prone might be overblown based on the fact that he probably could have played a lot uh, right, more than right. he did. If he was uh, on the that, Chiefs, yeah. if he was yeah, on the Chiefs, that. he's like he's coming back. They're not putting him on IR. Yeah, you know, I, I can I can see that. Um, but at the at the end of the day, we don't really know don't exactly know. what the whole situation was. So um, that's why it's like if it's speculative, mm-hmm. <laughs> run yourself yeah, yeah, into yeah. the ground thinking about it. Um, yeah. But I'm to my to my opinion though to that, um, if if Christian can play. He's going to play. That's that's his mentality. That's right. his focus. Yeah. Um, and that's where his heart is. And that's where, you know, that's why a guy like him works so hard in the offseason. So that way he can display his craft and 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 put something on, on stage to to where one day he leaves a legacy of being one of the greatest running backs to ever touch the ground. Yeah. Awesome. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, yeah, John, I want to ask you real quick about uh, Panthers culture. Uh, you know, we had mentioned to CK, CK had mentioned earlier, you know, you've been through the lowest times and some of the best times with the Carolina Panthers, but I, I've never played, especially on your level. So I don't know if necessarily being a particularly winning team is a necessity of having a winning culture. 
So like, I know you had said you'd stuck through those times because it was, you know, the best idea for you and you wanted to get, you know, down and, and, and make a name for yourself. Do you feel like the Panthers, even in their down times, had that culture to win, which I feel like we kind of lack now. And it sounded like you were very um, optimistic about Steve Wilkes. Do you think he can bring that back? Absolutely. Um, the winning culture isn't just about winning games, right? The winning culture is about how you live your life. How, like, how do you greet the people that when you walk into the Panther Stadium? How do you, um, how, how does the custodian view his job at the stadium? How does the cook view his job at the stadium? Is it all centered around the Carolina Panthers winning football games? You can sense that, you know, when we were when three years ago or four years ago or however long ago it's been since I've been with the Panthers, um, the way I left the game here in, in Charlotte, there was a sense of pride that you carried when you left work, when you were at work, there's a sense of pride when someone was talking to you about the, about the Panthers. And it was a culture of, you know what, whatever I'm going through, I'm going to keep pounding. Whatever I'm going through, whatever today, whatever presents itself today, I'm going to make sure that I do my best to accomplish the goals that are set ahead of me. I'm going to show up to work. I'm going to, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to, bring my person my personality um whatever role that i have on this team that's what i'm going to do today like i remember you know getting up early in the mornings not really i haven't really been a morning person um through my playing years but eventually i would slowly gradually come along but fozzy whitaker his role was hey everybody wake up <laughs> you know, he was he was that guy that would stem some type of joke, some kind of like something, singing, whatever it is. And that was he he knew what his role was. Every morning he he got to the stadium and he was in a good at he was he had a good attitude. And like those are the types of things that you take pride in, and those are the types of things that you you see yourself fitting into a team and saying, This is my role. And this is what the winning culture is for me. I'm going to be this person. This is who I am. And this is why I'm here. And that's what I believe in. And that's what the guy next to me needs. And so it's bigger than just being on the football field as far as the culture. Um, and, and, and just, you know, like I was saying earlier, when you tap into the deeper level of why, you know, why, why are you playing football? You know, it's guys, families, it's, it's, you know, a long, you know, a lifelong dream. Um, you know, it was a way out of, you know, the hood. It was a way out of their circumstances. Like this was their motive, like to be where they are now, it took motivation from getting out of something. So tapping into something deeper on a deeper level and, and as players getting to know each other on that type of level, that's where you really find why you're playing. Cause I didn't want to let guys down. Like if Tobert was going in there, going up the A gap and blowing something up, I didn't want to let him down by missing the hole. <laughs> if yeah. he's going in there to blow something up, I wanted to make sure that I was attentive enough to know that if he made a great block, I was there to make him look good. 
And so like stuff like that, that you play for the extra why, and it's not all about yourself. Do you feel like uh, that, that from the outside looking in the, the Panthers are displaying that winning culture right now, or, or as of late, do you feel like it's kind of waned from the, from the franchise in the last few years? Um, I think in the last few years, I think they've been trying to find what that is for them. Right. right. Okay. Um, Cause at the end of the day, they're not the 2015, 2014, 2016 Panthers. They are who they are right now. And they're trying to find their way. And as you can see, they're they're going through changes to to instill the fact that this is important that we find who we are, and we have to find that now. The winning culture needs to be right now, and that's the reason why they brought in Steve Wilkes this off season, because they knew that if something needed to take form, he would be the guy to transition this whole thing into winning right now. Awesome, awesome. Well, Jonathan, a one player that uh, we love here on the C3 Panthers podcast, that's Cam Newton. And it seems like no matter how long Cam has been gone, he's the name that looms large over this franchise. They brought him back last year, you know, in the middle of the season. That had its peaks and valleys. But now here we are again, and there's more rumors that given his connection with Steve Wilkes, that, you know, and with this quarterback room currently as it is, that Cam Newton possibly could be in play. Do you think that move is still open for the Panthers? And just your overall thoughts about Cam Newton, his leadership, and playing with him all those years. Um, do I think that can happen? I mean, it happened last year, so I mean, I'm not <laughs> one to tell you yes or right? no. Um, so I mean, anything's possible, right? Um, but you know, Cam as a leader is one of a kind um you know what he is to the panther organization and 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 the carolinas as a whole and really sports in general right yeah he changed the culture like what winning looked what what it looks like today guys celebrating guys you know giving away balls like guys smiling as they cross the 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 goal line like this guy this guy embraces winning and he does it while he's playing he doesn't display it after the last snap he displays it while he's playing i'm winning even though we're down 17 points i'm winning i'm going to win this game and i'm going to so smile awesome. while i'm doing it and if you're feeling if you're feeling down and out about our situation right now in third quarter I need you to lift it up, baby, because right now we're trying to win. And, you know, a guy like that is just it's, it's infectious, man. I mean, you know, he's one of a kind, I, dude. He's, he's one of a kind. And so as far as like people looking for those days and looking for that guy and a quarterback, I will tell you simply move on from that idea because there will never be another Cam Newton. Um but I think at the end of the day, we have PJ Walker. Um, and that's who we gotta ride with. That's the he needs everybody's energy um on his on his path. Cause I think, you know, like you said, these times are different than they were before with the social media and 
and all this stuff, like it's easy for guys to get a hold of, you know, information, even if they don't want it. Right. So, um, you know, I have full confidence in PJ. Um, you know, like I said, you know, the games that he's been able to play, he's two and Noah, you know, as a starter. Um, and I think, you know, if he, you know, has confidence in his growth as a player, which I believe he's grown a ton over the last few years, we'll see that on display this weekend. Yeah. Well, uh, Jay Stu, I think we all saw the uh, the photo that uh, that the Panthers put up showing you and Luke at uh, practice today. Uh, what you got cooking? What I got cooking? Yeah, what you got cooking? Man, I cooked some steak tonight. Yara, yara, not my wife actually ordered some bulgogi, some Korean barbecue. Oh, good, yeah. And so stirred that up. But have you guys ever had steak air fried? No. No. I've someone that? told all right, my neighbor told me about this yeah, and he so, said it's the best. And so I have good. a hard time believing it. Is it? So check me out. Uh on the believe so you guys can actually anybody listening right now can follow me, listen to me on my podcast, Believe in Panthers Network. Um uh starring Desmond Johnson and Skylar Callahan and myself. You guys can follow that on all the platforms and whatnot, podcasts. Please do. Uh, Skyler's a friend of our show. He's been on here several yeah. times. Yeah. Man. And so, but Desmond was like, yo, I'm about to go eat lunch. I'm like, what you about to eat for lunch? He said, I'm about to eat a steak. I'm like, oh, you about to just whip up a steak, huh? It's like, yep, but put it in the air fryer. I'm like, whoa. So <laughs> then I went to YouTube <laughs> and looked it up. <laughs> And so there's different ways you can do it. The method that I have, sorry, I'm getting, I'm sorry, I'm getting off. You're talking. good, man. Yeah, yeah, this is fine. I'm, I'm a, I love food. So. I'm passionate <laughs> about mistake. Um, but what I do is I salt it, you know, salt it up, pepper it up, and I butter it up. Right? Yep. Put it in the air fryer, 250 um, degrees, and for two minutes each side. And I do it that way just so that way it cooks it cooks within almost. And the juices don't leave. The juices stay within the meat. So it's cooked. Then I get the cast iron, butter it up. And then I just let that thing sting for about two minutes each side. Make sure you get the fat side. And it's a perfectly cooked steak. It's a reverse sear. That's yeah, what it got, is. Yeah, it's a reverse that, sear. Yeah, pretty much. That's the name for it. I don't. I never. I didn't know that was what it was called. But reverse sear. Is yeah, because you that. see it. Because usually you sear, or at least the like the traditional way of cooking a steak is to sear first and then put it. Like if you go oh, Gordon Ramsay oven. style, is yeah. yeah, is sear two minutes, sear two minutes, and then to the oven. And then yeah. there's the reverse sear, which is the oven first, and you're like, what? And then they throw it on the skillet afterwards. So yeah. it's air fryer. My question is, I want to know, I want to circle back to Christian McCaffrey for a second. And I don't want to ask you about players and what they think and what they're going, you know, it's like, because like you said, you're not in the game of speculation. It's yeah. a waste of time. But you um, started your career in sensational as a rookie and you had some injuries early on in your career. Um, and these kind of troubled you, I would say, I mean, I don't know if troubled the right word, but you dealt with injuries in the first four or five years of your career, particularly around that 2011, 12, you know, we go to 2013 as well. 
and to a place where um, you're looking at it, uh, and, and I don't know how you were feeling at the time, but they were starting to become, it, it was more than one, right? It had, right. it had been more than once. And something like Christian McKay, but then you come back and have a great resurgence, or I don't know if that, I don't want to use a resurgence like you fell down. No, that, no that's 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 kind of what happened. <laughs> uh, but the backside, you were able to then come and, and be rather durable in the back end of your career and put together some great years. Psychologically, what were you going through? Or how were, how were those injuries when you were young and kind of in your prime? How was that weighing on you as an individual? And kind of like, were there moments of doubt? And because I'm just, and I don't want you to speak on Christian McCaffrey because I, we don't want to speculate because, but he's a great player, had great success. Now he's dealing with this. But there is, uh, there's been several examples, you, Thomas Davis, and we can go down a whole list of people that have come and then had great bookends to their career. What were you dealing with psychologically in those great, those moments you were dealing with those kind of habitual injuries? Um, you know, it was tough, man. I mean, especially when I got my new contract and whenever you want to get, whenever you get a new contract, you want to, you want to prove yourself, Right. You want to prove to people that, hey, I deserve this contract and I'm going to work my tail off, you know, and show everyone why they did this. Um, and I didn't really get the opportunity to do that right out the gate. Um, you know, there was, you know, the, the I think we had a GM change. Um, There's just a lot of stuff, a lot of uncertainty that was going on. And when you're in a business where, it's what have you done for me lately? Um, you're kind of looking over your shoulder every every week as far as, hey, I'm not healthy yet, but I'm still coming to work. <laughs> um, I promise you I really want to play. I just can't, um, you know, things of that nature. And uh, But, you know, during those times, you know, I, I, looking back, that's what made me who I am. You know, if if I didn't go through those injuries, if I didn't go through – the things that I've gone through, I wouldn't be who I am today. And, you know, the dark moments, the dark times of being by myself, nursing injuries, um, trying to rehab, going through an off season, feeling like I'm finally healthy and then coming back and um, not healthy. Um, you know, the, the roller coasters really make you appreciate the good times and the good moments. And you learn um, gratitude um, and you choose gratitude. And that's the way I began to play towards the later years of my career. Um, you know, I think, you know, God at the end of the day put me in those positions to, you know, to, to dig deeper physically, mentally, and spiritually. Um, and I learned when you're out of wits in one of those departments, things get real tough. So you just got to always find the balance um, through all those types of struggles and through all those times. So, I mean, to answer your question, I mean, to go through all that, it was tough. But that was one of the ingredients in the recipe that the Carolina Panthers needed in 2014, 2015, is guys that knew what it took 
to stay healthy, to stay healthy enough, know, know their bodies, be able to teach other guys about their bodies, um, teach other guys, hey, you just can't depend on getting treatment at the, at the stadium after practice. You got to make sure you have your own guy on the side um, so that way you're getting the extra work. Um, you know, the, the Super Bowl year when I broke my foot um, in the Atlanta Falcons game at home, you know, those three, four games or whatever it was before the playoff game against Seattle, I had a guy every day at my house working on my foot. And, you know, that and, and I don't know if I would have known or thought to have that happen if it wasn't for the injuries that I had early in my years. And so was that the same foot you had early on? I mean, I had I had. Because it was a toe, uh, yeah, man. When you were your rookie year, you came I were, in with no, a foot. I right? had I had toe injuries. I yeah. had ankle injuries. I had ankle surgeries, toe surgeries, Achilles <laughs> surgeries. The life um, of a running back. You know, tightrope procedure, um, broken foot. Like, there's just a lot that comes with that that people don't sit there and say, "Oh, why is he hurt again?" Well, he has a broke foot. Oh, why is he hurt again? Oh, he has a tightrope in his ankle. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even heard of that. I'm, I don't even know what that is, a tightrope. So, I mean, you know, and, and luckily for me, I'm not living in a time where social media is everything, too. So, um, so I mean, I think, you know, the guys go through things, man. And, and what people really love, though, is seeing the guy that goes through something and comes out on the other end in some type of format of victory. Um, I look at a guy like Thomas Davis, you know, the stuff that I went through is like, like cereal compared to what he's gone through. Um, and I mean, seeing guys like that was motivational for me, um, the things that I was going through. So, um, you know, you always look to your brothers, you know, in a time of need and, you know, that's kind of what we really felt in that locker room was that we were brothers. You know, you've uh, the Panthers are having to go through this coaching transition midseason. You know a little bit of something about that because you went from John Fox being your head coach to Ron Rivera being the head coach. Can you talk a little bit about that transition between coaching staff and how do you t- you know take over some of the good things that you were doing? Make sure they continue to do it with the new coaching staff. And just overall, what is that kind of changeover like in the locker room? I mean, depends on what year you have on your contract. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) You know, for a guy that, I mean, just looking at it, like if if you just signed a five-year contract, you're not really worried about who's coming in. You know, if you're a guy that's on your last, you know, your last year, your last deal, um, you're doing whatever it takes to be noticed and doing the right things, right? Um, but m- ultimately, you just want to make a statement, um, you know, to the coach that is serving the organization that whatever it is that you want to accomplish, I'm here to help you accomplish that. And when Coach Rivera um, came to the Panthers, I think a lot of guys had that same that same mindset. Um, there are some guys, you know, we were obviously upset, you know, with coach Fox leaving and whatnot, because coach Fox 
a good man, a good coach. And so that was my first experience, you know, having the transition like that. Uh, but I embraced it and, you know, just followed, you know, the leaders of the, the vets um, in the sense of what it is that we're supposed to do now. Um, but really just do whatever it takes to, you know, to be a difference maker. Yeah. yeah and I, and I, I would also add to that, you know, a good player adapts to anything. If you can adapt, you don't have to change, but if you can adapt and position yourself, that is the most crucial thing as an athlete. Um, and I feel like right now, Coach Wilkes is repositioning these players' mindsets. And if the guys are willing and able to adapt, they'll go really far. Awesome. So, Jonathan, I wanted to ask, um, you spent the, the, the little bit of time in New York uh, in, at the end of your career. Were you there under the McAdoo regime? No. No? No, I wasn't. Okay, so, so you never actually had an experience playing for him? No. Well, okay, that kind of messes up the rest of the question then because I thought you had to play with him. I was going to ask <laughs> Who about Who was the coach his... then? Who was the Shula. coach then? Shula was our offensive coordinator. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you about how difficult the playbook was, <laughs> but I guess you never <laughs> played for him. That doesn't make any sense. Why do you think he doesn't like running backs? Who? McAdoo? Yeah. I think he likes running backs. Why wouldn't you like Christian McCaffrey? I know what well, well because he's only had seven carries, seven carries, eight carries, and maybe it's because you're behind in some different things. Think, but even I if think you, there's, I think there's a schematic thing that's going on here as far as complementary football goes, right? I think right. there's personnel things that you have to adapt to as a new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, it takes it takes a while, you know, to really get a feel for your quarterback that just came on the spot, you know, and um, there's a lot that goes into this that people underestimate um, outside looking in. Uh, and I don't think that he's a guy that's saying to himself, I don't let Christian McCaffrey, I'm not going to get in the ball. I'm pretty sure he's like scratching his head, figuring out ways to do it in a way that is successful, you know? And so, because um, at the end of the day, you don't want to just be out there running things, you know, recklessly. Um, getting putting your guy in a situation where he can't win. So, but I will say, find a way. <laughs> He's never really, yeah. I mean, and it's not that uh, you're like, like you said, it's like it's not that he doesn't like running, but he's he likes to throw the ball rather than run it, and and that's with running backs even as well. And that goes yeah. back to his Giants days. Is that like you just never have a. And I would say it's not a John Fox. Let's just say that. I would say this too, right? Like, you know, everything comes down to execution, first and foremost. You know, if if McAdoo calls up a 500 pass plays in five weeks, I don't know. That was probably bad, bad numbers. But if he is calling nothing but pass plays and it's working, it's because people are executing their jobs and making it work. So it comes down to execution, right? It's also, it also comes down to personnel and execution. So there's a there's there's a marriage there that needs to flow. Um, and again, it goes back to recipe, right? You got to figure out the recipe. You got to taste it every now and then to make sure it's still good. 
that it's not burnt, that it needs, that it has all the ingredients needed, so that way it tastes good. Um, and sometimes, like Baker Mayfield getting hurt, doesn't help your recipe, and so now you got to go back to the drawing board and and just kind of, you know, play with the the mixtures a little bit. Yeah. Jonathan, we're probably all going to ask you our final questions here. And again, we thank you so much for your time, man. This is already mm-hmm. one of my favorite interviews that I've ever been a part of. We thank you so much for doing this and, and coming on the podcast. Um, my question is, you talked a little bit about P.J. Walker and that you think that, you know, you have a lot of trust in him and his ability going forward. You know, uh, there's talks about Baker. Uh, Steve Wilkes said today that Baker – uh, is pushing to play this Sunday and that he's kind of up in the air. Sam Darnold's going to come back soon. But also last year, the Carolina Panthers just drafted Matt Corral, a very talented young quarterback out of Ole Miss with a big arm. He's mobile. This quarterback position has been in flux for such a long time. What do you think about going forward? Who do you think is going to be the quarterback that's going to give the Panthers the best chance for success going forward. Is that Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, or maybe even PJ Walker? Um, I would say the healthy one at this point. <laughs> okay. Right? The availability, so, the available the, one, <laughs> the available one. And, you know, we know that it takes a good quarterback um, to really win games and to go the distance in this league. Um but I would look at Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Jimmy G. He's a game manager. And, you know, I feel like, you know, we have got, we have a, that guy on our, on our roster. Yeah. To, to really manage the game, um, get us over the hump. Cause that's really what it is. We just can't get over the hump. And that's that anchor I was telling you guys about, right? That mental block of, dang. We can't like we're almost there, but for whatever reason, we can't get over the hump and it's annoying. And we're going to get asked the same questions in the media. We're going to see the same scheme next week. And it's just like this roller coaster that doesn't end. And so I would say, man, you know, if, if Baker does play Sunday, that would be great. Um, Cause I think, you know, players will even respond to that. Right. Like when you see right. your brother doing all that he can to get to the game on Sunday, <laughs> best believe, like, I'm coming to play with a little bit of extra, you know, fight because he fought his way to get here. Um, and if he doesn't, you know, it's the, me- it's the next man up. You know, you're a backup, but that's not what you're – you're a backup for a reason, and that reason is to play. And so I know that P.J. Walker is in that position for that reason, and that's the reason why, um, you know – I have no doubt that he'll go out there um, and be successful. All right. My question is this, and you've talked a lot about camaraderie. I I feel like that's kind of been a theme to a lot of your answers is like uh, your brothers, like is that even when good times, bad times, kind of the locking arms, there is this, there's a certain professional, I mean, obviously you're professionals, but that's the professionalism to it is that you guys uh, know the stakes for each other and their careers. You've mentioned the fa- families over, uh, not over and over, but several times. 
Mm-hmm. The stakes are, and we're not talking reverse sear stakes, but the stakes are you guys recognize them for each other so much and uh, appreciate each other's commitment. Do you, as a guy that came from college, I mean, obviously college to pros, going back to Matt Rule uh, just for a moment, do you think that, is there, did you get any sense that the transition maybe from a college coach to an NFL coach uh, was, um, maybe there was a, some sort of not a disconnect, but that that was a challenge to understand how the pros do it. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think everyone had that question. You know, oh, a college coach coming to the pros. Um, you know, the only college coach that I can think of that was successful was Pete Carroll. Um, one of the large reasons why Pete Carroll was was successful is because. He didn't touch the locker room. You know, he he let the guys in the locker room lead that team. He let them come together. He let them mold to what they were. Um, and he, in simple terms, he was a player's coach. Um, and Rivera was a player's coach. Um, he understood what the what the players are going through. He understood the players' families. He understood how to get to a person. You know, it's one thing to have this speech, right? But if you can't connect with a person, if you can't get through to a, a young guy that's coming out of college, like you might be able to talk to a 40-year-old vet, 35-year-old vet. I'm talking about Tom Brady, I guess. Um, <laughs> but like you might be able to talk to a vet, you know, and you know, that's been around the league and been a part of the game for so long. But if you can't connect to the 21 year old, the 22 year old, you know, you're missing, you're missing the mark and vice versa. If you know how to talk to the 22 year old, cause he's kind of got the college mindset, but you're not really, you know, connecting with the vets or, nor do you have, you know, veteran leadership like you should. I mean, there, I mean, there's, there can be like, again, I said a mix up in the recipe that can, um, you know, lead you, lead you in the wrong path. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it. All right. Last questions for everybody, just so we can respect Jay Stu's time. He's been very gracious with us first. Yeah. Let me say thank you for, for coming on here. I think uh, it's, it's easy for you and he's with very short answers and, uh, and, and, you know, almost, just try to get done with this, but you've, you've come with really deep and, and thoughtful answers. And I appreciate uh, every minute you've dedicated to this. Uh, I, I'm sure you, uh, you recall the, the little, um, are you planning, are you going to the PA, uh, Pat McAfee show tomorrow? Uh, I don't, we haven't rescheduled yet. <laughs> gotcha. I know he would talk. He was talking about it towards the end, trying to see if maybe they could fit you in today uh, or tomorrow rather. Um, reason I'm asking is so uh, we recall that, uh, that, little uh, quote that Ty Schmidt had over there um, that said that he doesn't know if the Carolina Panthers will ever be good again. Nah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you so, responded with so maybe overkill. a little <laughs> bit too harsh um, yeah. and be as, as aggressive with this answer. I'm not going to clip it and send it to any of my gaming buddies that work for Pat McAfee at all. I swear. Um, but what would you like to say to Ty Schmidt? I'm going to pray for you. And I wish nothing but good things for you and for the teams that you root for. But don't you ever, 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 ever 
let that come out of your mouth again about my Panthers. Yeah, now, tell them. Because at the end of the day, man, we're not in a freakout mode. Like, let me remind you, we still have a really good defense. We have one of the best running backs in the game. We have a receiving core. Our offensive line's killing it. Like, Icky, Icky was graded in the 90s this past week. We have a shutdown corner. Like, I think he's gave up 40 yards or something like that in five games. Um, Derek Brown, like, killing it this year. Lights out. Lights out. Frankie Louvu. He was missing. He was missing in action last week because he's playing so hard. <laughs> we <laughs> like, felt it. Yeah, you know. So, um, and our our defense played how they played last week without their two starting safeties. You know, and and still gave us some type of chance to to stay in the game. Um, we just need to keep pounding. I mean, at the end of the day, we need to figure out what it really means to find our way out of the mud. And if you can't find your way out of the mud, you don't deserve to be out of the mud. And that's what Wilkes is there to do is help these guys find their way out. And um, cause he knows how to get out and he's been there. So um, I think this is a, again, a great opportunity. You get to go to um, Los Angeles Rams defending Super Bowl champ and really test where you where your heart is like are are you really a believer in winning because we'll see on sunday goosebumps and, i got goosebumps yeah, man. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, all right oh, yeah. i'm ready i think I'm, i think we're gonna win out actually, actually at this point after <laughs> yeah, that now that you I mean, said that i mean at the end of the day man if you're gonna sit here and just be like oh i'm a fan of the carolina panthers and boo hoo hoo boo hoo hoo all season shame on you right like shame like it, like i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a glass half full type of guy and i know it's going to be a struggle i'm not an idiot like i'm not an idiot to think like oh it's going to be just you know cookies and roses um this is going to be hard this is going to be really really tough really really hard um but that's what the opportunity is it's an opportunity to come out of something hard but that's a player. That's a player's mindset, right? We yeah. so as as we we're looking not just to us, but like as fans or the media and all these people, we look from the outside and we just look at you guys believe in yourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, is that like they, is that is that the locker room and Wilkes believes in these guys and they're yeah. not quitting and they're not quitting on themselves. And even I mean, you bring in the player perspective right here. Is that they're not go- they're not quitting? They're going to work tomorrow. Yeah. And they believe that they're the best in the game, just like everybody else does. Right. And so you can't, like, don't count a guy out until he's out. So that's all I'm saying. But if you don't, if you're not a Panthers fan, <laughs> you're a Steelers fan or a Broncos fan or a Falcons fan, talk all the crap you want. <laughs> uh, we got one thing <laughs> to say them? here. We do have right. one thing to say to all uh, Saints fans. Fuck you, Saints. <laughs> oh, I didn't have it loud enough. Fuck you, Saints. 
Keep pouting. Sorry, that's a friend's kid that called. Oh, terrible. <laughs> we were not, we were not oh, on, the, on the day that we got that call, Jonathan, we weren't expecting it. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> well, no doubt, guys. Uh, all right, Greg, well, uh, one cl- one uh, question from the chat, and then we're going to plug his podcast and let him go eat his steak. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, sure, I'll throw one out there. I just saw in the chat earlier. Um, I loved watching you and D'Angelo run tag team and things together. How was y'all's relationship? Did y'all have an off-field relationship? Like, was it a strong bond between the two of y'all? Yeah, man, it was fun, man. When I got to when I got to the NFL, you know, D'Angelo took me in like a like a little brother. Um, you know, he showed me the ropes. Literally took me to the wrestling match. And we sat next to the ropes. <laughs> Literally. He showed um, you the ropes. Yeah. So, but no, nah, man, it was a great time. It was always fun. Um, you know, we didn't really get to play too much together on the field due to my injuries. Um, but, um, you know, those were the simple times. Right on. Uh, so tell us, uh, obviously, it's the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. What nights do you guys usually uh, cut the show? Tell our, tell our audience, because look, We've been we got a lot of people watching here, and they're gonna go, and they probably half of them already listened to you, I'm sure. But don't worry, more and more people are gonna go and listen. Tell them where they can find the work, when it's coming out, what to expect going forward. And uh, again, thank you very much. Yeah, you can find me on all platforms: Spotify, you know, Apple, or Apple Podcast. Um, You can follow me at Jonathan Stewart without the T one on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and you can listen to the podcast at Believe in Panthers podcast um, with uh, Tyler or Skylar Callahan and Desmond Johnson. Um, so, yeah, just check us out. Listen, give us a five star. Um, When's the share. next episode drop? When's the next the episode drop, drop? Next episode drops tomorrow. All so, right. Perfect timing, guys. We'll, Everybody, we'll have, go. We'll have a get lot that to insight. talk about. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt, man. Thank you so much. That's Jonathan Stewart, Panthers legend. Go get that steak, Jonathan. We appreciate it, uh, right, man. And I hope we can catch up with you one day in the future. Oh, no doubt, man. Appreciate you guys. All Thanks, right, man. Jonathan. Keep out of bye. Uh, guys, holy cow! I know, <laughs> like you, you have to balance this. You got to balance the the fact that we just would like to hold them hostage <laughs> yeah you know i just want to lock them up and be like hey uh we now we got questions about what do you do as a running back well like we could have asked a bazillion questions yeah um you know but cook gosh that was a nice a nice get and you know what i really liked about that fellas is there's two things that came away from that it came away from with that interview the first one is he talked more about the kindred spirit bonds of these pro teams than I maybe expected. Mm-hmm. You know, you think money, power, pros, business, these guys got their lives, they got commercials doing, you know. But he, I mean, and maybe this is what football is more than anything, is a team sport. You know, is that it's not, it's bigger than one person, and even those players recognize it. So that's the first thing that I took away. The second thing that I took away from this is that players believe in themselves. Yeah. 
You don't get to the NFL by doubting yourself. These guys believe they can go and beat the Rams, even if you don't, not you, but even if we don't believe it, the Rams don't believe it, the media don't believe it. They believe in themselves. That's a player's. That's a player position right there. That's my takeaway. It's that synchronicity, man. When you have one person that believes in themselves, but then you also have a group of guys around you that believe in you. Mm-hmm. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Jay Thomas references the picture behind me. And it's like that's the brotherhood that we need right now. And you know, he really doubled down on what he thinks of Steve Wilkes <laughs> and how he's going to be able to move us yeah. in the right direction. He also had a lot of confidence in PJ too. So, you know, he really believes that this team is not too far gone, that we can set this on the right track. And, you know, it it takes a special something to be able to do that. But, you know, we heard today that Steve Wilkes already moved the padded practices uh, to today. Uh, Normally, they would have been a little bit later in the week. So it seems that changes are being made that – He wants them boys thumping. Yeah, that Mike could have this team – believing in themselves again and going out there scratching and clawing like Panthers yeah. and fighting like hell to get a W. Maybe. It'd be, it'd be a breath of fresh air, as I said earlier, right? What would you guys, any uh, any thoughts you guys took away from that? For me, it, it was very hard to separate, like, things I wanted to ask him if we were, like, sitting at a bar and I saw him just, like, and asking him like interview questions. So it was difficult to kind of think of stuff. We had a list yeah, of stuff. Like, can like, you sign my jacket? Right. <laughs> stuff like, that. Like, um, like, like you were saying before, and you just want to hold him forever. Um, but it was cool, man. I, I love, I, I wanted to ask him questions that like, I don't know. I didn't want to put him on the spot and answering like about a player or about a thing. Um, yeah. like, I kind of felt like I did a little bit when I asked him if he felt like we had that winning culture now, but beyond that, man, it, it was an awesome interview. And I, I loved, uh, it was cool to have some insight. Like, I like the fans asked about his relationship with Jon Stewart. And that was, for me, the biggest part I took away from this, like you said, was the culture that he talks about. Because apparently we've never had a winning culture. But from somebody who's been in it for a lot longer and, you know, apparently we have. And, and I think that from what he says, man, or what he what he's feeling, it looks like he, he could be, it could be brought back, you know, or at least strengthened. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think he really cares about the team, too. I mean, yeah. I don't think I know he does. You know, and that's pretty neat. Uh, a guy that played for Oregon. Yep. I mean, uh, clearly he's at practice today. He's made his home, I would assume, in Charlotte. Yes. Um, he believes in this. Like, he, even the like his response to your question, CK, about the, like, what do you want to tell my gaming buddies? You know, that type yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like he cares about this organization. And that's a that's a neat thing. Because sometimes I feel like I don't know. You just don't know what people, what it's like in the, you know, what the, these guys. Because there's so much money involved. You know, do we make it? We we care about these teams so much because we are just fans. And then you got to try to remind as a business, the team, the business don't care about them. That's another thing. Is isn't it neat to see a player care about the business in a business that rarely cares about the player? Yeah, and I think it's because that culture that they had built that he was a part of and that picture behind me, that it really had a lot of these guys form a real lasting bond with the Carolina Panthers. You saw Luke Kuechly 
there today. We put up the picture for a second. Uh, Luke Kingsley's back there. Um, you know, I, I know Greg Olson has a lot of love for this organization too. A lot of these guys do. You know, when you were a part of something like that, you know, you're not going to be able to speak about the history of the Carolina Panthers without saying their name and, you know, mentioning their deeds and, and what they did. So, yeah, I, I, I did find that very heartening that, uh, you know, some Carolina Panthers. And, um, you know, I, I even like uh, how he said, shame on y'all if, you know, all you do is complain about the Panthers. He might not listen to every one of our podcasts. I, I hope he does. We've been, like, we've been we've been known to to do that from time to time. But um yeah, it, that was a fantastic interview. Fantastic get Tony. Thank you very much for letting us be a part of that man. That was awesome. Yeah. And uh chat, I hope you liked that man. That was uh hopefully that'll be the 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 first of many Panther interviews that that we get to do with some uh some legendary Panther players. Maybe we can keep the trend going. CK, he's also very literal. Oh yeah. <laughs> I literal. said, what are you guys cooking? He said, yeah. Bugogi. I, I think I think uh, I think he steak was, of it. I think he was blatantly <laughs> avoiding that question. So. Uh, uh, that's awesome. All right, man. Uh look is a uh, Look, as that uh, you, I know, first chat. Uh, we want you. We want to thank you guys for being here. We want you to please go out and like pump up the Believe in Panthers podcast. Show that right C three love. Yeah, like show yes. them that coming on to these shows that the the fans like it, and that also that they want to follow them in their own pursuits not just here and i know you guys will don't worry i know that that the chat is going to kill it uh we also want to say thank you to the chat as we usually we try to involve you guys as much as we can but we were also trying to respect uh jay stew's time so much and you know like first time maybe we can get them back in the future you don't want to we're not going to ask too quickly and things like that because we got to make sure that uh we do it the right way but look we want to get to all your questions. We want to include you guys as just as much. And the more that we continue to bring people on, the more we'll be able to do that. So go follow Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Go write a review in Spotify, iTunes, and say, man, heard you on C3. Love you. Loved you as a Panther. We're here to follow your work now. I promise you, if people see that we appreciate them for what they do, right, then they will appreciate what we do. Right, and right. End, end up putting a good word for more people to, to come and hang out with us more, man. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we have some dream gets that we have in mind. You could probably guess a couple of them. But Duh. We're, we're gonna, Cameron we're gonna, Artist Payne? No. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, loves that, you know, uh, Fozzie Whitaker, man. He had a lot of Ooh, great things to say about Fozzie. Yeah. That would be a great one. Hey, uh, before we get out of here, man, we had some soup, uh, and I wanted to make sure that we didn't miss them. Just don't care. The man who cares the most with the five dollars, he says, keep pounding. Uh, Kevin, your illegitimate son, white chocolate espresso for the 199 says, big ups to Jay Stu for signing my ball in Charleston. Uh, Eric 37 with the two dollars says, Jonathan, you are awesome. Thank you for everything. And I did put this up throughout the podcast. I don't know how much he was reading them. Uh, a hero's path. How does it feel to be one of six running back duos to rush for a thousand yards? That was definitely a big time by uh, Jay Stu and D. Will. And then Panther Gal 73 
She said, thanks for hanging out with us, Jonathan. We appreciate you guys. The reason why we do this, the C3 Panthers podcast is for the fans, by the fans. Like Tony says, we want you to feel like you're in the car, driving home from the game, hanging out with your buddies, and talking about the football team that you love the most, the Carolina Panthers. That's what we're here for. And we hope to continue to bring you uh, incredible content today. We've been uploading videos. We uploaded two of them today. We uploaded our interview with Dennis Cox last night, who was incredible as Matt Rule. Go check that out. Uh, We also released uh, us talking about Sean Payton and everything surrounding the rumors of do we trade for him, don't we trade for him. So hit that notification bell, man. Like and subscribe. Hit that notification bell so we can whoop up on that algorithm and be in front of as many Panther fans' eyes as possible. All right. Uh, I'm going to go tweet, guys, uh, everybody. I'm going to go tweet thank you to Jonathan Stewart and uh, check out the Believe in Believe Network. I'm going to tag Believe because, uh, first, uh, the guy that manages the Believe Network always is delivering for me, guys. So let's all go to Twitter. Lock arms and retweet so we Please. can keep this type of stuff up, guys. Because we have 250 people here. If everybody went to Twitter and just retweet it, you don't to hit the like, retweet it. You don't have to comment if you don't want to, but uh, that'll help uh, show Jonathan and those guys over there believe that uh, we really appreciate what they've done for us and, and getting uh, you know as many people on the guests or on the show as guests as they have. Um, but you know, of course, uh, an all star like uh, Jonathan Stewart, we are greatly appreciative. So. Uh, yeah, like Tony like said, Dennis said, yeah, like Dennis said last night, he schedules guests for 99 the fan, and it's hard. You know, people are busy, we don't really mm-hmm. have anything to offer them other than just our appreciation. Um, so look, is that like we've been growing, but this is the way this is the direction we want to grow, right? We want to bring not only expand our content but make it better for you guys. So let's work together, guys. Uh, Absolutely. Cody, C3 Panthers podcast. We're back Friday with uh, oh, yeah. Friday free for all Sunday post game show. Uh, and who knows what the heck we can conjure up in between then. Uh, Cody, let's get out of here. C3 family. Like Jonathan Stewart said, keep pounding. Find your next favorite podcast at AdvertiseCast.com slash explore. There you will find a list of some of the best and up-and-coming podcasts around searchable by category. That's AdvertiseCast.com slash explore to find your new podcast obsession. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.